This morning, we're very honored to have with us Bishop Meshach from uh, Kenya. He is Archbishop of the Disciples of Christ Church. He's a very close friend to us. Uh, God has been so good to him. His life is a life of miracles, really, if he had time to share so many of the miracles. Uh, but uh, he's uh, been up in Boston with some friends up in, uh, that up in the, up in the north, <laughs> you know, for a while, and uh, was able to come down and visit with us uh, this weekend. So we're so thankful for that. Brother Meshach has been at a very uh, trying time for us. He's been a friend to our ministry back in, I think it was 2009, 2009, 2010. I'm, I may have my dates a little wrong. But we had gone through some issues in the ministry there in Kenya and uh, just didn't know, you know, I was giving the Lord time to work things out. And Brother uh, Meshach uh, was able to, was willing to step in and in, in his church and denomination and provide for Grace Global Outreach, that arm, that missions arm of our church. He provided for us the proper credential and oversight and the umbrella for us to continue to worship there and to minister because you know we build churches there and we have over 400 churches that have been built out in the villages in Kenya so uh, it was such a blessing and he didn't know me from you know as we say in America he didn't know me from Adam's house cat or whatever I don't know but uh, <clears throat> he took a, a step of faith and uh and became our friend, and he will forever be our friend. We thank God for him so much. So uh, we are honored to have him here to share with you today, and to whatever is on his heart, he's going to share with you from the scriptures. And you know, the entrance to God's word brings... What? Light? Shout it out. Light. The entrance to God's word brings light. What does that mean? Revelation. You know, when, you have, when you're in darkness and someone turns on the light, ah, you know where to go, what to do. Things are revealed, right? And uh, so the entrance to God's word does that for us. We can be walking around in a lot of darkness, not know where to go, not know what to do, bumping into everything, going in the wrong direction. Our life just totally messed up. But when you enter into his word, it brings revelation. Praise the Lord. So I want you to do this with me, if you would, please. Would you stand to your feet and give a big welcome to Bishop Meshach? Thank you, sir. Thank we you. love you, sir. God bless you. Praise Jesus. Buona Yesu asifiwe. Say a big amen. Amen. Let us pray. Everlasting Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we are humbled before you for this time and this opportunity you have given us to come to this sanctuary to worship you and also to glorify your holy name. I pray, Jehovah, for your manifestation and your presence to be here with us. And I pray, God, that you're going to lead me with the power of the Holy Spirit as I share the word of God. And I pray, Father, for your favor and your presence to be with us, O oh God. I cast and I rise against all the powers of darkness in the mighty name of Jesus. 
And I pray, Lord, that you are going to send your guardian angels to be with us, to bless us, oh God, and to be with us. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we sit down, please? Oh, my names have not changed since I was here last time in 2017. My name is still Mesha Kihara. Uh, I serve the Lord in the Disciples of Christ Church. And I love the Lord so much. He has been so gracious to me in many ways. And I cannot forget to thank him and to praise him. Uh, I came about one week ago in Boston. There are friends and family members in Boston. And I felt that my conscience could not allow me to stay in Boston without coming to visit our friends. And I'm so humbled, Reverend Hale and Pastor Monica, for your warm welcome all the time. And I was attracted to them by their humility. And when I came again, I found that they don't change. Thank you, ma'am, for your warm welcome. Thank you for everything you have done unto me. Thank you, Pastor Scott and Melissa. Melissa taught me to leave meals so that I can fight diabetes. I still remind people, and also when I came, I was asking where is Melissa. I'm glad also to meet my friend, Raleigh Johnson, Pastor Raleigh Johnson. I don't know where he's seated. I think I know a few people. Yes, thank you. Uh, Bob Finke and Deborah. Where is Deborah? I saw her in the choir. <laughs> Good to see you. And also, uh, Zach. Zach is here. All he is at home. Zach. <laughs> Praise Jesus, Zach. Good to see you. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I have some friends who lives here in Texas. And you have been communicating while I was in Boston. And yesterday we had time to meet them. Uh, Sister Maria, can you stand wherever you are if you are here? And Pastor Charity, praise, the Lord. praise God. God bless you so much. And Mudoni, her daughter, just stand and wave the church. Sister Maria, oh, God bless you. Sister Maria is just a neighbor of this church. And I will be persuading her to be fellowshipping here in the days to come. Hallelujah. Because of time and redeeming time, I have a message that the Lord has been speaking to me. And the message that I want to share with you uh, is about the Baptist to receive the baptism of suffering. You may not understand why I want to speak about to receive the baptism of suffering, but uh, at the end of this sermon, the Holy Spirit will be able to help you. There are three kinds of baptism. One is the baptism in water, emulsion. That all of us, when we get saved, the Bible says that we are supposed to be baptized through emulsion for ourselves to be changed, to be renewed and to be born again. To be born again, you have to go through the baptism of water. 
There is the second baptism, and this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you go closer to God because the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 that you become a child of God. And therefore that is another step. And there is the third baptism, the baptism of suffering, which many people do not understand or do not know. The Holy Spirit has led me to preach about this uh, in this season, wherever I go, because I try to preach any other message, but the Holy Spirit continues to persuade me to talk about the baptism of suffering. In the book of Romans, chapter 5, the book of Romans, chapter 5, number 1, that is where I'm going to start Romans chapter 5, number 1. Paul was speaking to the Romans and he, he said this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Number three, and not only that, that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces God's approval and hope. Now hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was giving, who, who was giving to us. The Bible says Paul was telling the church and not only that church but everybody whoever will come in Christ that they were rejoicing because of, the, because of being justified by faith and also because of the hope of eternity. Number three, he said, we do not rejoice only because of the hope that we have, but we also rejoice because of the tribulations we go through. And he said that uh, tribulations brings all about all troubles or sufferings, brings about perseverance or endurance. And this endurance gives us the approval from God because it makes us have the character of God and acceptance from God. And by all this, we are changed internally that we are able to celebrate and also to move on. When the Bible says that they were rejoicing because of the trouble and the sufferings and the tribulations they were going through, you may not understand why, because the explanation of uh, St. Paul is explaining as if tribulations and sufferings is part of our life 
along the way to heaven. And therefore, there are so many things that we can read and we can see if we can have time, but we do not have time. To understand better the baptism of suffering, we can read the book of uh, Acts chapter 5 up to number 41 and 42, but I'm not going to read, but just explain. You may observe it later. The Bible says, Apostle Peter and other apostles were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ after the crucifixion of Jesus. But the Jews and the high priests, the Pharisees were very much against the gospel of Jesus being preached by Peter and the other apostles. The high priest sent people and uh, officers to arrest them and they were put in prison. And when they were in the prison, because of, preaching, because of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation, they were, in, they were in suffering because in prison it's not a hotel, but it's a, a place of tribulations and suffering. But while they were there, the angel of God came and told them, I'm releasing you. The Lord has sent me that you are going to be released from this prison. And they were released from prison miraculously without the guards and the officers knowing what was happening. And the angel told them, go straight to the temple and start preaching as you were preaching before. You were arrested. And when they went to the temple, the high priests and the council of elders sent people to the prison to get Apostle Peter and other apostles so that they may be killed. But when the officers went to the prison and they found that the Apostle Peter and other apostles were not there, the high priests and the council of elders were surprised and they did not know what to do next. But somebody came and told them, these apostles, Peter, and others are in the temple preaching, preaching the gospel of Jesus. Other officers were sent to get them and to bring them to the high priest and the council of elders. The Bible says the officers who brought them to the high priest and the council of elders did not push them violently for the fear of people. But when they were brought to the high priest and the council, they planned to kill all of them. But the Bible says there was a Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel. And he told them, before you take any action upon these people, just think about them. Because there was a person like them, his name was Theuda, Theudas. And he had a follow-up of more than 400 people. But when he was killed, all the people were scattered. There was another person who had a big following. And when he was persecuted, all the people were scattered. Gamaliel told the council of elders and the high priest, before you do anything, let us think about these people. Because if they are doing the work of men, 
it will perish very easily. But if they are doing the work of God, we shall be seen as if we are fighting God. Hallelujah. And so they called Peter and the other apostles. And what they did, they did not want to kill them or to punish them, but the Bible says in verse 41 that they beat them and told them, go and never never preach about this gospel again. So they were beating them and scaring them away without taking any action of killing them. The Bible says in verse 42, I think verse 42, that Peter the apostles started rejoicing and started singing and rejoicing and they said that we have been made to take part in the sufferings because of our Lord Jesus. And when they went away from the high priests and the council of elders, the Holy Spirit led them back to the temples to preach again and again and again and again without any fear. What I want to say is these people were rejoicing when they were suffering because they knew that to attain the kingdom of heaven and to praise God and to be changed to have the character of God is only when you go through the baptism of suffering. Hallelujah. And therefore, we also must understand the sufferings that we may go through in this life. As a Christian, the way to heaven have a lot of difficulties and challenges, climbing mountains and valleys. But I don't know why the Lord chose sufferings and tribulations to be a way of a Christian. When we read in the book of uh, Job chapter 1, the whole of Job chapter 1, but mostly from verse 6 to the end, we see that one day God had a conversation with Satan. And he was asking Satan, where were you? He said, I was roaming all around the earth and checking out. But I don't know why God asked Satan, have you seen my faithful servant Job? And the way he serves me and loves me? I'm surprised that God was asking Satan about his servant Job. I wouldn't like God to ask Satan about myself and how I'm faring. But I'm surprised that God was asking the devil about his faithful servant Job. And the devil replied, Job is faithful unto you because you have put a hedge around him. This is to say that the devil was trying to reach to Job, but he could not be able because of the hedge of protection. And he said, you have put a hedge of protection around his children. You have put a hedge of protection 
around his prosperity and everything he has. And the devil was asking God to remove the hedge, to remove the protection, and he told God, you will see that Job will curse you. But the Lord God gave certain opportunity to touch all the properties and everything, but he said, do not touch his heart. I don't know why God subjected sufferings, tribulations to a faithful servant, to a God-fearing person, but this is what is written in the Bible, and we must give us an example. Immediately, the Bible says that his children were having dinner. They were having a party in one of the, of the, in the house of the eldest son of Job. And immediately, the cows, the camels, the sheep, everything he had, he had sent servants to take care of the sheep, the cows, the goats, and everything. But immediately, the devil was at work to bring tribulations, sufferings, upon a God-fearing person. His name is Job. While Job was still sitting down in his house, a servant came and told him, we were plowing in the land, and the donkeys were around eating grass. But these came and stole all of them, and the other servants were killed. It's only me who has remained to come and bring the report that we do not, you don't have donkeys again. While he was about to finish, another servant came, and he said, fire came up from heaven and consumed all the sheep, and the servants were consumed by fire. It's only me alone that has remained and to come and tell you what has happened. Before he finished, Another one came and said, thieves and robbers came and they stole all the camels. The other servants were killed. It's only me remained to come and tell you what has happened. Before he finished, he, another, one, another servant came and said, your children were having party and they were enjoying a very great storm came and attacked the four corners of the house they were in and broke the house and killed all of them. It's only me who has remained to come and report to you. With a fraction of time, everything, the job had, the prosperity, the wealth and the riches had gone, even the children. Even the children. The wife told him, can you still continue trusting God? Even at these situations of suffering and tribulations, the Bible says in, the, in verse, chapter 1, verse 20, that Job tore his clothes, put on ashes upon him, and he said, God, you brought me in the world as naked. I came here with, with nothing. And I'll move away from this world naked without nothing. It is the Lord who gives. It is you, God, who gave me. And Lord, you have taken. Job had the revelation 
that all these sufferings were coming while the Lord was watching. And he said, may the name of the Lord be praised. In that situations of suffering and tribulations, and all the things he had had gone, the words of Job were saying, even if I've lost everything, but one thing will remain in my tongue and my mouth, I will continue praising the name of the Lord in suffering or at the time when I have peace. My brothers and sisters, we are supposed to understand that through suffering, God does a lot of transformation, transforming our hearts to take us to another level. Because when Job praised the Lord, even after losing everything, the Bible says that the Lord was gracious and merciful upon Job. And he was able to overturn the sufferings and tribulations. And he blessed him double in double portion, more than the blessings he had before the sufferings and the tribulations. Hallelujah. And therefore he was given uh, cows in double portion, camels in double portion, sheep in double portion, all the things he, he lost, he was paid double-double. And at the end of the sufferings and tribulations, he was able to see the love of God and also to see the masses of God and his faithfulness even after going through the persecutions. Hallelujah. And therefore... I'm persuading each and every believer in this church today that if you go along and meet sufferings and tribulations, do not complain but continue praying for the will of God to be done upon your life. There are so many people in the church, just want to give an example, our church in Kenya. Many people abandon their duties at the time of suffering, at the time of ritual temptations. You find that some were in the choir, others were in the team of ushering, others were in the team of preparing the sanctuary. But because somebody in the church spoke to them something which was not pleasing according to them. They started pulling out from the choir, from the worship team, from preparing the sanctuary. They even don't give offerings and tithes. And lastly, they even abandon going to the church as an experience after following this believer and asking him or her, why did you abandon the choir? Why did you abandon the praise and worship team? Why don't you give offerings? Why have you changed the love of God? 
he will mention that there is somebody in the church, and not a believer like him or her, but somebody who is a senior elder or a senior pastor, and he says that he talked something to me which I did not like. I don't know what happens in churches in America because I think you are different from uh, our churches in Kenya. But I'm just giving you an example. At such a time of COVID-19 and corona, we have found all these in true colors. That when the government announced the closure of the churches and meetings, we went on persuading people that even if the churches are closed, just come over and I opened my home or the churches around my area to come and worship. And we say the apostles, after Jesus was crucified, they were worshiping in their houses. And therefore, we persuaded people all over to continue serving God, to give tithes, give offerings, be present in the work of God. And for those people who are blessed to have big homes, to open their doors so that people and the churches will continue despite the closure of the churches by the government. Well, let me tell you, what came after that, we found that many people stayed in their houses without going to church. No matter what we tried to do and to persuade them, many people, almost half of the church, were staying in their houses. We had a pay bill or a number that they would send their, their offerings they will send their sacrifices because life must continue, the church must continue, no matter the tribulations, no matter the COVID-19, no matter the corona, life of serving God must continue. Amen. Amen. And you know the Lord is watching, he's watching us, he's watching you at the time of suffering, at the time of tribulations, whether you be faithful in serving him, no matter the conditions that we are going through. Amen. I don't know what happened here during that time, but even when the government announced that the churches should be opened, we found a quarter of the believers never came back to church, and they, said they stayed away from the church even now. I was, as I was coming from Kenya, I had a, a list of people who do not come to church giving reasons that corona is still there. And you know many things we do by faith. Everything we do by faith, by trusting God that he's going to protect us. But I want to give you Something in related to that, that you, you don't serve in the choir. Somebody don't serve in the choir or in the worship, in the ushering team, 
preparing the sanctuary, tithing, praying and doing all the one that the Lord has given us to do. But in the same way, when we were in school, in our primary level and in our secondary school and in the high school, we were insulted by teachers and other students. But we never went home to rebel against them. We still went back to school. We were molested by other students, but we continued going back to school. No matter the insults, no matter the molestation, no matter many negative things we received there, but we went on going back to school. But when we come to the church, you are not beaten by anybody. But somebody has spoken something that you did not want, you did not like. You just have a reason of absconding your salvation and also your life in the church and serving God. Those people who are working, you are being insulted by your bosses, all your colleagues, they may hate you, they may say things that you don't like, but every morning you wake up early in the morning to meet your boss who insulted you yesterday and the other day and you humble yourself because you know that once you are working, at the end of the week, at the end of two weeks, at the end of the month, there will be something. So you find that human beings are very selective. When it comes to the concept of God, and when it comes to many things that we are supposed to do for God, we are very selective. Unlike in school, unlike in our working places, where we go through, where many people go through insults and tribulations. The devil knows that once you stand firm at the time of suffering, at the time of tribulations, the devil knows that you wish shall be overcomers and we shall reach our destiny. One of the ways the devil fights our destiny, he fights Christians at the time of sufferings and at the time of tribulations. And therefore, if you have not gone sufferings or tribulations earlier, the Lord has sent me to prepare your heart and to prepare you in advance that you should stand firm no matter the sufferings. When we rejoice that, that corona is over, we hear that there is another corona in South Africa and another one somewhere else. We live in fear. But when we go through the baptism of sufferings, 
We shall be stronger and stronger. I believe Job was stronger spiritually than when he was before the sufferings and the tribulations. Amen. We normally say that to have a fine gold, gold is taken through water or through fire. To have a fine gold, we normally say that gold is taken through fire so that it will come out the other end as a pure gold. The same case happens to Christianity. For the Lord to prepare you to have his character, you must go through fire to be renewed. And for many weaknesses to be, re uh, to be removed, you must go through fire. In the book of Matthew chapter 20, Chapter 20, verse 20. We see the wife of Zebedee took his two sons to Jesus. And he went straight to where Jesus was standing. And he said, Master, he knelt down and he said, There is one prayer, there is one request I've come to ask you. And Jesus told him, Told, told her, okay, bring your request. And she had a very funny, I find that it was a very funny request. Because she told Jesus, Jesus was so calm, listening to the request of Zebedee's wife, and he said, Lord Jesus, I pray, when the kingdom of God comes in heaven, let my two sons, one be on your right hand, and the other one be on your left hand when we reach heaven. Isn't it funny? Because if it was me, I would have asked for support of the gospel. <laughs> but he said, I want my two sons to sit, one on the right, the other one on the left. But Jesus said, he asked these two boys, if you want to sit on my right or my left, will you be able to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm drinking? I repeat again. He asked them, are you ready to drink from the cup of suffering that I'm drinking? They said yes. He went to the other question. Are you ready to go through the baptism of suffering that I'm going through? Jesus spoke about the cup of suffering and the baptism of suffering. Two things. And the boy said, yes, we are ready. But Jesus said, but I'm sorry, let me give you the answer of your question. For anybody to sit on my right or my left, it is not given by me. It is given by our Father, Jehovah. For those who have been prepared for that. Therefore, Jesus was able to assess the qualifications of the sons of Zebedee and to see whether they'll be qualified to be near him. But he, Jesus had the revelation that the other people God had prepared 
who will sit on the left and the right of Jesus. And therefore, we find that the qualification to enter heaven or to be nearer to God or to be nearer to the seat of mercy in heaven, it requires some baptism. It requires some baptism of fire and some baptism of fire and the cup of suffering. In the book of Colossians, chapter 1, number 24 to 27, Paul was speaking to the church of Colossians. And he said that I've been going through sufferings, I'm enjoying going through sufferings because of the body of Christ. And he said that I'm going through suffering and I want to accomplish the remnants of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. He was trying to remind the church and the people that if Jesus continued living, the sufferings that would have followed Jesus if he went beyond the years that he was to live. And Paul was saying, I'm not rejoicing because of the suffering, physical sufferings, but I'm also trying to reach the, the remnants of the sufferings of Jesus. If he continued, he was looking, he was searching for the remnants of sufferings, other sufferings that he could accomplish for the sake of the body of Christ. The apostles and the prophets who are before us in the Old Testament and the apostles in the New Testament counted tribulations and sufferings as part of their lives to praise God. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you today to prepare yourself that you should stand firm no matter the trials, no matter the tribulations, and you should be on the track to, to serve him and to do every service that the Lord has put across to you. This is to mean that after any disappointment, there is a blessing. When you are going through disappointment, Christians should understand that after the disappointment, there is accomplishment. Every disappointment comes with the attachment of a blessing in disguise. Every disappointment comes with attachment of a blessing in disguise. By experience, I have seen blessings of God and miracles of God even after going through fire of suffering. And you know why many Christians do not withstand the sufferings and tribulations? It is because the book of Hosea chapter 4 number 6 God was asking, was asking the people a question, but instead of waiting for them to reply, to answer him, he answered himself because he was asking, why do my people perish? Instead of waiting for the answer, he answered himself, they perish 
because of lack of knowledge. They perish because of lack of understanding. And therefore, I believe that nobody will perish. Those people who have the understanding and the knowledge of God and the concept of God, we cannot perish if we are prepared adequately for any sufferings or tribulations that will come on our way, we shall not perish. The Bible says that in the last days, there will be a lot of tribulations and sufferings. And many things will happen. The beast will be given the power to put a mark upon your face, forehead, and upon your hand. The Bible speaks about the last days. Many things will happen. Many Christians will abandon their faith. Many people will abandon their offerings. They will abandon their service to God because of the tribulations and sufferings and many trials that will be in the last days. It is good for us to pray that uh, these tribulations will come later once the Lord has taken us. That is my prayer. And that's why the Bible says in the book of Revelations, chapter 14, number 13, blessed are those people who have slept with the Lord, who have died in the Lord, to go and rest because the work they have done will follow them. Blesses those people who will not be, will not participate in life in the last days. And therefore, if the Bible clearly says that the last days will be dangerous days, the church must be prepared. It may not be the last day, but it may even come now to different people in different fashions and different styles, testing our faith and our standing in our calling. In the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 1 to 6, I do not have time to read. Revelation 20, verse 1 to 6, the Bible says, that John, while he was in Patimos, in Revelation, he saw an angel coming out from heaven with the keys to the abyss and a strong chain. And the angel came, got hold of Satan, and tied him. He was bound. And he was thrown in the pit of darkness by the angel of God. And that pit was sealed with a seal that the devil was thrown in, in the abyss for, uh, to stay there for a thousand years, not to bring temptations to the world and to the people of God. And the Bible says, Verse 4 of Revelation 20, verse 4, he saw the thrones and people who are in those thrones 
And he also saw the souls of people who died through sufferings and through tribulations, those who are executed because of preaching the gospel and standing faithfully in God, he saw the souls were resurrected. And the souls, after they were resurrected, they were commissioned to reign with Christ for a thousand years. Can you imagine a thousand years without the devil, without temptations, without sufferings, without anything bad, without anybody insulting you? We normally, the Bible says that we are given 70 years or 80 years. And we see as if we have stayed for too long in this world with 70 or 80 years. But now, the payment of the people who went through suffering, who went through tribulations, who were executed, who were suffering in their Christian lives, their souls will be brought again and they shall reign with Christ for a thousand years without the devil. Amen. Amen. It's only few people who will qualify to, re- to, to live again, not for 80 years or 70 years, to live again for a thousand years eating what you want, drinking what you want, putting on clothes you want, visiting where you want, there'll be peace all over for a thousand years, there'll be celebration. Before we go to heaven and before the judgment of God comes, there'll be a thousand years of celebration without sufferings, without temptations, without a burden, without going for fellowships, without anybody asking for your tithe, asking for your, follow, uh, for your offerings, without anybody asking you to wash the church or to be ushers or to worship in the choir or to be working in the church. A thousand years celebration. I want to repeat again. The qualification of us celebrating for a thousand years the, the certificate of qualification is those who suffered, those who went through tribulations, those who were executed, those who were killed. Do you see now? Do you understand now the meaning of the baptism of suffering? Do you see now where the baptism of suffering is taking us? It is taking us to a gift of a thousand years celebration. Hallelujah. And my prayer is the church that is gathered today will be together with you in the celebrations of a thousand years without the devil, without the temptations, without the afflictions, without sufferings that we shall enjoy the payment of our suffering and the payment of our pain that we go through. There is a big reward. 
the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 5, number 10 and 11. Blessed are those people who are persecuted according to the will of God. And the Bible says there, because the kingdom of God belongs to those people. I repeat again. Blessed are the people who are being persecuted because of eternity and because of God's cause. God says, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Hallelujah. I'm happy because the kingdom of God belongs to us. Those people who have partaken the sufferings and persecutions, we have a guarantee that the kingdom of God belongs to us. There is nothing that we can achieve without a price. And the price to pay is to go through suffering and go through pain and tribulations. I don't have my watch and uh, just give pastor because I want to redeem time. There's some people told me while I was coming in America last time that when you go to America, don't preach a long sermon. <laughs> and they told me, because there was one preacher from Kenya, he went to America, I don't know which part of America, there are many things, many funny things people speak about America while there. You remember last time I told you what we say. But this time, he told me, when that preacher was preaching, he took a long time preaching, and I think he was preaching while closing his eyes and looking up until the believers in the church started moving out one by one. They watched their time and they were, they were taking their bags and moving one by one. But this preacher was, was still preaching and preaching and preaching. The last person to move was a lady who had the, the keys to the doors of the church. And she came over to the pulpit holding the keys and he told him, Pastor, when you finish preaching, close the doors of the church. There'll be somebody waiting for the keys outside. Bye-bye. <laughs> I don't know whether this preacher was closing his eyes. He could not detect what people were behaving. And he was not time cautious. So when I was coming, many people were speaking many things to prepare me. The kind of people I'm going to meet. Um, and so even at this time, I'm very much conscious. So that you may not leave me alone. Are you with me? Are you with me? Don't leave me alone in this pulpit. <laughs> But that, that one doesn't mean that I'll continue for hours here. It is a sign that I want to finish. Hallelujah. In the book of Revelation, chapter 6, number 9, we see that angels were sent by God to break the seals. And the angel that was sent to break the fifth seal 
He saw beneath the altar of God and the sanctuary of God in heaven souls of those people who were executed and those people who, are, who died painfully in the service of God, they came out underneath the altar and they started shouting to God and asking God, when did you say that you are going to get our reward of peace and our revenge because of those people who killed us and executed us? I understand these souls wake up early in the morning from the altar of God to claim about their peace and eternity and the promises of God. And the Bible says each soul was given white long robe and the Lord was speaking to them and telling them, be patient for a while, waiting for your brothers and sisters back in Africa, back in America back in Houston, back in Generations Church, we are waiting for them to qualify as you have qualified so that you and the others, there is a number God is waiting for people to qualify. So when you happen to go through tribulations and sufferings, know that you are being passed there to qualify for the number of the reward that God is waiting us to attain and to achieve. The book of Luke chapter 22, number 41, Jesus went in the Mount of Olive with his, some of his disciples. And he left them, went far away, a stone through to pray. And when he was praying, his mind remembered all that was before him. The crucifixion, the shame that he was to go through, and he started praying. The Bible says he started praying and telling God, God, I persuade you, take away the, the cup of suffering. May you take away this cup of suffering. But he remembered the will of God for him to qualify as Christ was to go through the cup of suffering. And he said quickly, but not according to my will, but let your will be done. Therefore, it is the will of God for every Christian to go through fire, to go through the cup of suffering, and the Bible says after his statement, he started praying hard and hard with a lot of pain, with a lot of tears. And the Bible says he was sweating. And the drops of sweat had blood. He was sweating blood instead of water. And when he was crying and praying because of the cup of suffering that was ahead of him, the Bible says God sent his angel. The angel came to Jesus where he was praying and he started encouraging him. Encouraging him. Not withdrawing him from the sufferings from this cup, but encouraging him to go through. When we are in serious sufferings and in the fire of persecutions, 
God will always send an angel to encourage us. Lord will not abandon us. I said in Matthew chapter 5, number, 11, number 10 and 11, said, Blessed are those people who will be insulted, many lies spoken against them because of the name of Jesus. And it says, because there is a great reward. Romans chapter 8, number that 5 says, what can separate us from the love of God? And the Bible asks, is it tribulations? Is it suffering? Is it death? Is it life? Is it angels? Is it heights or deaths or prosperities? And Paul says, that there is nothing that can, that can separate us from the will of God and from the love of God. The Bible expresses each and every, each and every situation that may come between you and God to separate you from the love of God and from serving him. Is it people? Is it kings? Is it principalities? And he said, no, nothing that can prevent me from the love of God. As I come to the end of my sermon, I just want to let you know that when I left here in 2017, I was to come back to U.S. in 2019, but I was not able because of COVID-19. And again, while we were in a crusade organized by the organization of Reinhard Bonke in Nakuru Stadium. I was one of the organizers, and I was the chairman of interpretation. I was in the executive. At six, we had the conference fire, and while we were attending the conference fire, waiting for the blessings of God, and to accomplish in that crusade, something happened to me. I saw darkness, and I fell, I collapsed, I fell down while we were praying. And people came and took me to uh, under, under the tables. They removed my clothes. My son was there, was driving me. He came over, was taken to the, my vehicle. I was able to speak, and I told my son, take me quickly out of this stadium. And he went through opposite direction with the lights on and uh, going very fast. I was taken to a hospital. When I was taken to a hospital, the doctor said that it is heart attack. And so I stayed in the hospital for one week. I was taken to another hospital Heart center in Nairobi was taken to the theater, and they say that two of my arteries were blocked 60%. And they wanted to 
operate me. My wife and my son were with me, but I said, I told the doctors, don't do any operation to my body. If the Lord is not coming to heal me, let me die with my heart intact. And so by faith, I had to be sent back home. And they say they wrote that have refused the surgery. But they gave me medication for six weeks. And all that time we were praying. And when we came back after six weeks, I was put in a treadmill to, to run. If you have any heart problem, you can't finish five minutes. But I ran for 15, for 15 minutes and the doctors were clapping and they said, hold on, hold on. One doctor said, I think the God you serve has done something to your heart. Go home. <laughs> Hallelujah. From 2019 up to this time, I've gone through suffering and I've gone through fire. 2020, I was back in hospital again for other complications. 2021, this year, in the month of February, I was taken to ICU. I, the whole body was paralyzed. I could not be able to stand or to walk or to sit down. I was carried up from my bedroom to a taxi. The first hospital called and said, this one needs ICU facilities. And I was taken to a hospital, competent one. And while I was there, the doctor said, I was hearing what they were saying, that even if I come up from the ICU, I will go, I will be on a wheelchair for six months. After that, I'll be walking with the walkers, walking sticks. But when I gained my conscience while in the ICU, I was able to raise my head and I could see all my comrades in the ICU. Nobody was able to raise their hand. And I received a miraculous energy to pray. I started praying. And I remember the book of Psalms, 119, verse 17, that David says, said that I refuse to die, but I'm waiting to see the goodness of God while I am alive. I told God, I refuse to die in this bed of ICU. And I started praying and asking God to heal me. I found myself speaking in tongues. And the doctors came and they thought that I was crazy. And they were telling me, shut up. But one doctor said, no, he's praying. That was the time they realized that there's something, there is a change in me. And they took me from ICU. They took me to a male's ward. And while I was there, from 2 p.m. to the morning, I was praying for God to heal these people in the world, to save them, oh God. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Do you know after 12 days, I was healed completely? They were saying that I had stroke. I was healed completely. Instead of moving from the hospital with a wheelchair, 
I moved from hospital with my two legs, walking out of hospital. The doctors were saying, you are the first person coming out from ICU, suffering from stroke, walking. After two weeks, they called me for a clinic, and I came back driving, not being driven. I was driving, driving my wife and my son going to the clinic. And they were asking, you came driving? They could not understand. But I knew the Lord that I serve is so gracious. Hallelujah. He's able to remove us from fire, from sufferings, from the deathbed, to give us back life again. Hallelujah. When you are worshiping here, the song that we are singing here, that God is able to change our mourning into dancing. Hallelujah. He is able to change our shame into glory. I love that song so much. And I want that song somebody to write for me or to give me that song. Where is Melissa? Give me that song. <laughs> It really encouraged me when I was sitting down and I was feeling that my heart is healing. Amen. By the end of the month of May, I was completely healed. But something happened very peculiar. The immediately I was healed, my wife started ailing. We took her to many hospitals. There was no diagnosis. It was suspecting blood, cancer, leukemia. Samples were taken to South Africa and everywhere. It was negative. We, we moved from one hospital to another because they were treating assumption. And because of pumping her with a lot of antibiotics, they caused kidney failure. So they called me to take her for dialysis. We took her for dialysis. It was on a Friday and on Saturday. On Sunday, they say that she needs an ICU facility. We had to change from that hospital to another hospital. She had exhausted all her insurance because while I was sick, I was still using the same insurance. So we, are pay we were paying out of the pocket and trusting God. After she was in the ICU, on a Monday, the doctor called us, and, she, and the doctor told us, she has her, the heart has failed. Each and every day, bad things and bad reports were coming about my wife, who was a pillar in my ministry. He was she was coordinating all functions of the church, all of us. So that she was put in a life machine. On Tuesday, they called us, they told us, the liver is not functioning and the lungs are not functioning. And on Wednesday, while we were at home, after leaving the hospital, very late at night, we reached home, we could not be able to sleep. My children moved up from their bedrooms and they were in the sitting room. I could not be able to switch off the lights in my bedroom. And so when the doctors called my son, I could hear their, their footsteps coming to call me. And when I opened the door, they say that the doctors have called us and they want, that was at 3.30. 
the doctors are asking that we meet them in the hospital. When we reached the hospital, they removed the curtains and we found that my wife was there, the body was there, the soul was taken by the Lord. I'm talking about 90 days from today because it was in the month of September. So, I could not understand because in my first time in ICU and the second one, I felt that the Lord has finished with me and I felt that the Lord was calling me. So I called my wife and my two sons and, and one daughter and I told them, in case I'm there alive or I'm not there, this is the way to go. I had to put my house in order. They were asking me, why are you saying so? But I told them, it is not a sin to keep your house in order and to give inheritance. I had given all the inheritance, whatever Lord has given me. I was feeling that and I was telling my wife, if I go before you, take care of my children. And I told my children, so long as your mother is alive, respect her, Everything is under her control. But I don't, know, I don't know how God changed things. He healed me and he decided to take her. In the first week of her admission, when I was preparing myself to go for work, I was putting on my clothes and I was putting my socks. I was sitting on the bed. I had a voice behind me saying, be prepared, I'm taking your wife. And I looked behind, I could not see anybody. Then I walked out from the room, thinking the bad things happened to my wife. When I reached the hospital, she was jovial, and she was telling me, tell the doctors to discharge me. And she was discharged, and that day we went back home. So, I ignored the voice. I said, possibly... It was my thoughts which were beyond. But the Lord had prepared me. Be prepared, I'm taking your wife. Therefore, I realized the Lord had a purpose either to take me or to take her. One of us, possibly he weighed. The burial was on, on Thursday. We had a very great bill of more than 3 million Kenya shillings. As hospital bills and other things, she died on the morning of Thursday. Therefore, we had two days, Friday and Saturday and Sunday. We had a fundraiser. And God is gracious. He, God gave us everything we wanted. After the burial of my wife was on Thursday, on Sunday, the committee members and other pastors had uh, told me to had look for a hotel. I was staying in a hotel because at home I could not be able to sleep. So in a hotel, the following Sunday, I moved out. My son took me to the nearest church. We have many churches in Kenya, more than 300 branches. And therefore, in Akuru, when I went to the church, people were not expecting me to attend the church on that day. 
and everybody was looking at me. And I was asking, why are they looking at me? It was because they could not expect that I would go to church. One of the leaders came and told me, you have come to the church, what do you want? Will you be able to preach or to speak? I said, when you give me an opportunity, the Holy Spirit will lead me. And when I was given the opportunity and I stood to talk, when I was sitting down, I asked the Lord, what am I going to tell the church? And let me tell you, whether you believe it or not, this message I'm preaching today was born a few minutes when I was interceding and asking God, what shall I speak? The Holy Spirit told me, speak about sufferings, to accept sufferings. And when I stood, I spoke as per the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This message I'm speaking to you today was born on that day. The Lord was persuading me, go and help others to stand firm at such a time of sufferings and tribulations. Go and encourage others. I was supposed to be encouraged, but it was strange that the Lord is telling me, wake up and go and encourage others. Because the Lord knew that he's coming to supply strength, to renew my strength. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 40, number 28, 29, that the Lord's hand is powerful. He never gets weary. He will renew the strength of those people who trust them, who trust him. He will also give them strength. They shall walk. They shall be mounted with the wings like eagles, and they shall run and walk without getting weary. Amen. Amen. And therefore, after all those, my friends in Boston and my relatives had not heard about my wife's sicknesses. They wanted to come. They could not be able to come. They told me, can you come over and have a break and have a vocation and have rest to move away from all that you are going through? And while in Boston, I, I called Reverend Hale and I told him with the man that I'm here, I would, my conscience doesn't allow me to stay here without coming to Texas. He was asking me, will you be able to share a word or will you just sit down and be with us in the fellowship? I told him, the body is weak, but I'm strong spiritually. Hallelujah. And that's why I am here even today. This testimony is to encourage you. This message may not help all of you, but I believe God has sent me to five people here, ten people here, or twenty people here, or few people here. I believe the Holy Spirit has sent me here to prepare you in advance to stand firm in serving God because there is a great reward. Hallelujah. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless his word.
Thank you, sir. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Bishop Meshach, for that word today. We want to give, a, give ourselves a chance to, to be a blessing uh, to Bishop Meshach uh, with a love offering today. If you need an envelope for your gift, you can raise your hand. Our ushers are here. Uh, they can uh, get you one, and they'll be happy to get, put one of those in your hand. If you're writing a check, we ask you to just make that to Generations Church. Uh, everything in this offering, we will uh, put together and, and make that a gift to Brother uh, Meshach. Um, you can also give online. There's, a, there's a, a drop-down menu there for our guest minister that you can give that way. And uh, we appreciate your generosity. Thank you so much, Brother, for that message. That's such a, for being vulnerable with us, for being real with us, and, and teaching us that a word that we need to hear. That's a, you know, hearing about sufferings and things like that, that can be a hard message when you're prosperous and everything's going good and you feel great, you don't want to hear about that. But when you're going through a trial, that's a message of hope. That's a message that God knows right where you are. He has not left you. He's not forgotten about you. He knows where your tomorrow lies. And uh, we can put our trust in him. He loves us. Amen. Amen. Well, my friends. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance and grant you peace in this day that we're living in as we approach the beautiful celebration of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be to you. Bye-bye.